Thank you for tuning in to the latest message from Island Church, Dundalk. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. We're going to, we are starting back into our series on the seven letters to the church, picking up on the mighty church of Laodicea. Amen. A powerful word that is brought to this church, and it's a it's a challenging word that is brought. Uh, that was a letter that was brought to this church. But but glory to God, we're we're just kind of breaking through. I think we've gone through two sessions here, and we've only got through one verse. So we'll see how, what the Lord does and how we get to cover through things here. But but I'm telling you, every church we've covered has had an amazing message. I mean. It's uh, they're powerful, and we got to we got to deal with the church at Ephesus, who, who you know they, they lost their first love. It's who we began with, you know, and Jesus was was pulling them, you know, encouraging, them, wooing them back unto themselves. We saw Smyrna, which is the persecuted church that was getting persecuted by by people and 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 uh, financial situations. We saw Pergamos, which was a which was a pretty amazing church here, and it it was considered what the capital of this Asia Minor area, and it had compromise filled in their church. We saw the the the, per, the church at Thyatira was filled up with with dangerous and harmful doctrine. Amen. Sardis, who was an amazing wealthy church, a wealthy city at one time, amen, that was now living off their past successes, amen. Jesus said, you know, you're living off your old reputations that you're full of life, but you are dead like a corpse. We saw Philadelphia. God opened up a door for them to be an amazing missionary church under the, under the eastern regions that were around them. And now we've come back to the place we're in Laodicea, which it also is known for something. It's known for being the lukewarm church. Amen. Out of, out of all things, that's one of, the, one of the things I would not want to be known for is being the lukewarm church. Amen. Oh, yeah, you know, you know that church up in Dundalk, yeah, that, that's the lukewarm church. You know, that one up there, I'm, I'm telling you, praise God, that will not be something that will be remembered or known of of this church here. Because I'm telling you, it's a, that's, that's, that is a... Uh, as we'll find out, it's not, a, it's not a great thing that the Lord has for him. Amen. It's not a great label that he put for him. But, but if you remember, five out of these seven churches, five out of these seven churches had, uh, had, uh, had praises and commendations that the Lord gave to them. Only two of them didn't have any corrections. Amen. The church at, at Smyrna and the church at Philadelphia, they only had praises and commendations. They didn't have any correction coming to them. They were, they were doing things, being led by the spirit, doing things the way God asked them to do it with the, with the knowledge and the revelation that God had for them, which was powerful. Amen. And then we see that, uh, that we come to this church, Laodicea, and it is the only church that doesn't have any praises. Amen. The only thing that Jesus was revealing to this church is correction into this church. You say, well, why is the Lord always bringing correction to these churches? Because he loves them. Amen. Because when he, he, he's, he has enough love as a leader, like any good leader does, that when he sees an issue, he sees a problem, he addresses it, he confronts it, amen, to give people the ability to change their way of thinking or metanoia or repent, amen, and come back to Jesus's way of thinking and uh, move back in the right direction. Because see, see, if you don't 
yield into the repentance that God's asking you, that, that he's leading you to, that he's drawing you to, to, to you know, remember to change your way of thinking to his way of thinking, amen, his way of doing things, then you end up like the warning he gave to Ephesus, amen, this is where Laodicea is, he, he gave that warning to Ephesus, he said, you know guys, if you don't come back to your first love, you don't change the way you're doing things, he goes, if you don't repent, if you don't change the way you're thinking, he goes, I'm going to take your candlestick, I'm going to take your lampstand from you. Now, a lot of people say, oh, that was, that mean he's, he's going to shut down the church now. Now, Jesus isn't going around burning down churches. He's not, he's not sending, you know, earthquakes to shut down churches. That's not what Jesus is doing. But, but what he is saying is, I will, yeah, I will remove that anointing that you have upon you to, to go out and minister into the cities and minister into the community. Why? Because you're not doing things the way the church is called to do it. You're not doing it the way that the kingdom has called you to do it. And that, that lampstand will be taken from you. How many of y'all know that the church is called to be a city upon a hill? We're supposed to be a light. We're supposed to be a beacon, beacon leading people into, into Christ through his power, through his glory, amen, that as he's operating through each and every one of us, amen. And he desires good things for us, but he can't support things that are not scriptural, amen. He, he doesn't honor these things. He desires us to fulfill each and everything that he has called us to do, amen. But I'll tell you what, you know, when you look at this thing, you... Uh, uh, you might find it interesting, I would say. Um, <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll, I'll leave that. I'll let that lie. Amen. We'll let that lie. We'll, we'll just continue on and we'll, we'll go forth here with what the Lord has. In Revelations, let's just go to, let's go to Revelations chapter 3. And let's start in verse 14. In verse 14. It says, unto the angel... At the church of the Laodiceans, he goes, write these things, saith the amen, the faithful, the true witness, the beginning of creation of God. He goes, I know your works. He goes, you're neither cold nor hot. He goes, I would that you're cold or hot, but so that you, uh, so then because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spew you out of my mouth because you say if I'm rich and I'm increasing in goods and I have need of nothing and knowest not that you are wretched, you're miserable and poor, you're blind and you're naked. He says, I counsel you, I counsel you to, to buy of me gold tried with fire that you mayest be rich and white raiment that you may be clothed and the shame of your nakedness do, uh, do not appear and anoint thy eyes with eyes sad that you may see. He goes, as many as I love, I rebuke and I chasten. He goes, therefore be zealous and repent. He goes, behold, I stand at the door and I'm knocking. If any man hears my voice, open up the door. He goes, and I will come in to him and I will sup with him. I'll eat with him and him with me. And to him that overcomes, I will grant, I will grant to sit with me on my throne, even as I have overcame and have come down with my father and his throne. He that has an ear to hear, he that has an ear to hear, let him hear what the spirit of the Lord is saying under the churches. Amen. Remember in verse 14, as a little bit of review here, he says, unto the angel. Remember we see the angel, the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. Why does he put the in front of the front? Because it, it is the Greek word ho, and it means a definite article. It's put before a noun showing something specific or something unique. Just like we said, just like saying the president or the T-shock or, or the Messiah, the God 
God. It's, it's a definite article or something. He's saying to the angel, the pastor, or the bishop, the apostle, the person that I put as head over the church. He goes, you need to pay attention to these things. You need to, you need to grab a hold of the words that I'm saying. You need to rumble them over, meditate on them, you know, understand what I'm trying to say, and then communicate them unto the people I've put you over because I got a word for each and every one of you. Amen. He says, and this is the one that says that I am the amen. Amen. Jesus says, the one who says this, the one who's given the message is the amen. The amen. What is that word? The I am. Jesus is saying, the one that I am the final word in everything. I am the so be it. This is me. It is me. The amen. I'm the faithful one. I'm the faithful. Jesus is described as, I am the final word that is faithful and trustworthy. I'm telling you, that's powerful. He says, I am the true witness. That Greek word, martus. He says, I am the true witness. I have personal experience. I've, I know what the Father says. I know what the Word says. I even sacrificed it all because I've experienced it. I'm the one that's been willing to give it all up on a personal count and to reveal the truth unto people. He says, I am the beginning of all creation. Jesus is the only one that has this title. He says, I am the beginning and I am the end. I am the alpha and I am the omega. I'll tell you, church, he's not just the alpha. He's not just of the omega. He is everything in the middle. He is every dot, every tittle in the middle between the beginning and the end. All things were created for him. By, by him, all things are made. I'm telling you, this is powerful. This is Jesus. This is Jesus. I love that verse in Colossians 1, 16, 17. It says, for by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones, dominions, principalities, or powers. All things were created by him. Who is that? By Jesus. All things, church. All things were created by him, by Jesus himself and for him. And he is before all things and by him all things consist. He is the word that created all things. People ask me, I say, well, why are you so tough on words? Why are you so, why are you so picky about what, things, what people say? Why are you so picky on, on things? You try to correct words. Why do you do that? Because I'm telling you, we're made in his likeness and image, church. And I'm telling you, he created everything with the word that was spoken out of his mouth. He says, the word says that, that his, by his word, all things in this earth or, or in this universe, and, or not just the universe, even in heaven, all things are upheld by his word. Amen. He is the, he is the spiritual glue that holds everything together. The word of God, Jesus himself. I'm telling you, church, you mix a little bit of faith with words, and I'm telling you, you're, you will find them to be creative. I'll tell you that again. Mix a little bit of faith with words, and then they will become creative. I'm telling you, it's powerful. We need to mind the things that come out of our mouths. He says, I know your works. In verse 15, he says, I know your works, that you're neither hot nor cold. You're neither cold nor hot. I would that you're cold or hot. So then because you're lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, I will spew you out 
of my mouth. I will spew you out of my mouth. He goes, I know your works. Remember, this is that, that Greek word, oida, which he tells each and every church. He says, I know your works. This, this Greek word means that it has personal knowledge. Amen. Jesus is saying, I have personal knowledge of each and everything you're doing personally inside the church. And I know collectively what you're doing as the body of Christ. I, I know exactly what's coming on. I haven't taken any, any ideas or any thoughts from angels that have been coming around, floating around, or your guardian angels. I'm not getting this information from the prayers that people are coming up. No, I've came down and I've walked amongst your church. I paid attention to each and everything that you're doing in here. I have a little book. I've been writing it. I've been taking notes. And listen, I'm coming to you and I'm fixing to give you the report on what I think about what's going on. This is what Jesus is telling us. Jesus comes. I'm telling you, he's mind in our church. He, he's, he's walking around. He's paying attention. He's paying attention to the words that's being spoke right now. He's paying attention to the ones that are taking notes. He's paying attention to the ones that are, that are, that are, that are, that are participating in the word of God, doers of the word of God. I'm telling you, he is paying attention to what we're doing, not just in here, but, he, but outside of these four walls and what we do in the world. He's paying attention. He knows these things. It's not, it's not from prayers that I'm telling him. He knows individually because he's coming down and walking amongst the candlesticks. I'm telling you, church, this can be a scary situation for people that think they can hide things from God. You know, the ones that think they can get, get in their bedroom or get into the house, you know, lower down the blinds a little bit. No, I'm, I'm hid from everything. No one's going to pay attention when I'm going. No one's going to see what I'm doing. I can just do what I want to do now and everything's fine. I'm telling you, there's someone watching. There's someone watching. He's paying attention, not because he wants to, to punish you, because he loves you. I'm telling you, this is, it can be a scary thought if you think you can hide anything from God. I mean, you might be able to hide things from, from all kinds of people, but I'm telling you, you, there's one person you can't. And I'm telling you, it is the Lord. He is minding you. He's watching over you. He's keeping you. He's loving you. But I'm telling you, on the flip side of this coin, I think it's an absolute amazing encouragement that in every good and every bad thing that we do, God is watching over it. He's watching over that. You say, well, what do I mean by that? Because see, once, once you begin to, you know, once you get delivered of living on the carnal flesh, it's not, it's not you're, you're worried about getting hammered on the inside of the house or, or smoking a joint or sleeping around or something like that. The, those aren't the things that you're worried about because those things have been dead to you. Amen. But, but it's other things that you seem to fail in. Amen. That I'm telling you, you'll begin to be thankful when you, when you have the Lord watching over it. Why? Because you can ask him. You can ask him, where did I miss that? Yeah, I'll, t I'll tell you, just, just the, just, just, it was just Sunday. Just Sunday, I was sitting there. We had, I'm telling you, we had an amazing service in this house. Good night. I'm telling you, the, the Holy Ghost was, was all over this place. I'm telling you, it was powerful, amazing. We got to minister to people, you know, the, the handful of people we had here. We got, to, we got to minister to people after the service, and it was, it was powerful. I'm telling you, it was glorious. We, we went home, ate dinner, relaxed, sat in front of the fire. It was a great evening. I'm telling you, about 1230 at night, man, I woke up, and I could not go back to sleep. My, my stomach. It got got tore in a knot, and I'm telling you, I began. I was sweating, and 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 I was, I, got, I was in a bad place there for a little bit. And I, as I woke up, I was like, "What in the Lord? What in the world? Excuse me, Lord, is going on here? This stuff that doesn't come, it doesn't come on me. Amen. I don't get sick. Amen. I don't. I don't yield to sickness. 
I don't get sick. I haven't got sick in a long time, and I still don't get sick. I don't mean temptations don't come, come and try to give me the temptation for it, but I don't yield to those things. Sometimes, sometimes I can rebuke those things that will be gone in about two seconds, and sometimes it may take me a day or two. But I'm telling you, I stand on what the Word says, and I don't, I don't grab a hold of those things. I don't care what I feel like. Amen. But I was sitting, I was like, what is this? This is, this is rubbish. This doesn't come upon me. You know, I, Lord, what's going on here? What's going on here? And he said, you missed it. He said, you missed it. I said, where did I miss it? Where did I miss it? You know, where did I miss it? And he, and he brought it up to me. He said, you know, you know, when you're eating dinner, you're eating dinner, to, uh, this, uh, when you're eating dinner today, you know, you, your, your lovely wife reached over there with your fork, grabbed your, your chips that you had. That, I mean, these wonderful chips are good chips. They have, you know, they're the, the, the garlic cheese chips. Oh, man, they're so good, you know. And she grabbed my fork, you know, and reached in there and started eating my chips with her fork, with my fork. Amen. But see, the day before that, you know, she had me pray over her, right? She was like, ah, you know, uh, some some, uh, temptation is trying to come upon me. Pray for me. I said, okay. And I never saw her deal with anything. It was just I prayed for her. She's good to go. You know, go about her business. But I tell you, there's a thought that came up in my mind. As soon as she grabbed that fork and went and I saw it going to her mouth, a thought said, you're going to let her eat after you? You just prayed for her the other day. And I didn't take it captive. I didn't take it captive. I'm telling you, I'm a professional at taking words captive. And I'm a professional at taking thoughts captive. I'm telling you, I'm one of those weird people that we can be sitting there in a conversation and you may, you may hear me say, shut up, Satan, shut up. Or now I'm the healed of God. And I'll, I'll say it at any time. Why? Because I'm going to take anything that's not from the word of God. I take it captive immediately. I put it underneath my feet. I put it underneath the word of God instantly. Why? Because that's how I stay healed. That's how I stay prospering. That's how I stay in tune with the word of God and allow God working in my life. Amen. But see, I didn't do it that day. I got, I was lazy. I, I that thought came up and I just kind of laughed it off like, ah, whatever. And I just can't went on about my business. I'm telling you, you said, that was it. That was that crack. You left a little crack open and the adversary just waltzed on in. Why? Because you're responsible for the things that you know. Amen. And he, and you left that little crack in and he came in with full force. Amen. Now, now easily I begin to start confessing my scriptures, you know, beating back and pushing them out. But listen, you know, it, it made for a miserable night. I didn't get any sleep from 1230 to I had to come up here to the church, you know, with Jason in the morning. Amen. But why? It was my own fault. Amen. It, was, it, wasn't, it wasn't my wife's fault. It wasn't Satan's fault. It wasn't anyone's fault but mine. Why? Because I didn't do what the Word says. Amen. But praise God. Praise God we have a God that can, deli- that can reveal those things unto you. When, you. when you make those little be mishaps, you can say, you know, you missed it here. Don't do that again. Don't do that again. I'm going to tell you something as I, I was asking the Lord about that because it seemed very intentional, not... I don't get what I'm saying here wrong. It wasn't intentional that the Lord was doing something there because that's not that our God doesn't operate like that. But God can use situations, amen, to teach you something through it. And as I was asking him, I said, Lord, why is that? Why, why was this something so specific? And why were you so quick, you know, to, to give me that answer and why it was? And he's like, I'm telling you, there's a time coming, amen, in the days that, we're, that you're beginning to walk in that you better be quick to take thoughts captive. 
Amen? Because there's, there's going to be all kinds of stuff going around in the world. There's going to be things coming left and right. And I'm telling you, when they come up in your mind, you better take the thought captive and put it under the word of God. And I'm telling you, I'll let you guys know that as well. I'm telling you, when things start rising up, when things are starting to be spoke of on the news, government starts saying things, people start saying things. I'm telling you, church, you're going to start hearing things in your mind. I'm telling you, you better start taking those things captive. And I don't mean, oh, I'll ponder, I'll meditate. No, I'm telling you, if it is contrary to the word of God, you grab a hold of it and you squash it instantly. Amen. Why? Because sometimes it may just mean you don't get some sleep tonight. Sometimes it may mean your life. Amen. See, these are those days we're living in. Amen. We, we're Holy Ghost people. Amen. I'm telling you, when we get that ability to be able to listen to the Spirit of God and we know the Word of God, when we mix His presence, His Spirit with the Word of God, I'm telling you, we're unstoppable. Amen. But see, when we miss it... <laughs> We miss it. We open ourselves wide open for the adversary to come wreak havoc in our life. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm warning you. I'm warning you as your pastor. Mind the things that are going on in here. Take these things captive. You know, Second Corinthians ten five. I mean, I just taught on this while we were in, you know, in the, in the last lockdown. It says, you know, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself up against the knowledge of God. Everything that exalts itself up against the knowledge of God. Everything. Doesn't matter if it's big, doesn't matter if it's small, anything that tries to exalt itself up against the knowledge, you, you better cast it down and bring in captivity every thought unto the obedience unto Christ. Hmm? Life and death are in these verses, church. Life and death are in these verses. Hmm. Ooh, hallelujah. He says, I know your works, and thank the Lord he knows our works. Thank, you. thank the Lord he knows when we miss it and when we're, when we're in the right direction. Thank God he's a God that's bold enough to give us some correction when we need it. I'm telling you, he's doing it to save your life. He says, I know your works. He goes, you're neither cold nor hot. <laughs> I would you are cold or hot, so that because you're lukewarm, neither cold or hot, I will spew you out of my mouth. I will spew you out of my mouth. He says, I would that you were cold or hot. You know, a better, a better, a better way of saying this is, is Jesus saying, man, I wish, I wish you were cold or hot. I know, I know, I know, you, I know there's not a whole lot of potential for you to get that direction, but, but I'm really wish I'm standing in faith that you guys would become cold or hot. I'm standing, that, that, that's my desire for you guys. I'll tell you, you know, that, that verse has always confused me. It's always confused me because you, you sit there and think about that. And you're like, well, if something is cold or hot, and he'd rather you be cold or hot, like dormant or on fire, but he's going to spit the lukewarm one out of his mouth. I mean, that, that doesn't necessarily, it never really made sense to me. And I understand, you know, God desires us to be hot. And maybe if, if, you're, if you're hot, he can tell if you're cold so he can send people to minister. I mean, I've even, I've even preached that, that over the years, I'm telling you. But, but, it, but it's, not, it's not accurately, you know, saying what, what, the, what, uh, what Jesus is trying to portray to us here. You know, the passion kind of gives you a an idea of what I'm trying to say here or what, how I used to think about that. And the Passion Translation is a great translation, but I don't necessarily like this translation of the verse. 
in uh, verse 15 and 16 in the Passion, it says, I know all that you do, and I know that you're neither frozen in apathy nor fervent with passion. He goes, however, I wish you're either one or the other, but because you're neither cold nor hot, but lukewarm, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Amen. Now, I say that's probably the greatest translation of those verses besides the two words that he inputted himself, the in apathy and with passion. If it would just read like this, I know all that you do and all, and, uh, and I know all that you're, you're neither frozen nor fervent. How I wish that you're either one, that you're one or the other. Because you're neither hot nor cold, but lukewarm, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, why is that? Because this Greek word for hot, it doesn't mean just like, like hot, like something warm that you can put your hands under. It means a fervent heat, something that's boiling over. A boiling hot is what it's talking about. And the same thing with, with cold here. It's not talking about something that's cool to the touch. It's talking about something that's freezing ice cold. Amen. Freezing ice cold. But if you'll do a little bit of study in history, study a little bit about, about church history and about these cities' histories or, or listen to, to some uh, Rick Renner's teachings or some, some, some of these other people have great historical knowledge on some of these things. I'm telling you, you'll find a new revelation on what God is trying to reveal to us on this. And I'm telling you, it is absolutely powerful. It's absolutely powerful. Now, remember, let me refresh your memory since it's been a couple weeks here. Remember Laodicea. Man, it was one of the, let me take that back. Laodicea was the wealthiest nation, wealthiest city. Good night. Around, around the area at that time. It, and it was the wealthiest city of this day, somewhere, say, around, you know, AD 90 or AD 80, somewhere around there where, where, this, uh, where these uh, revelations was written. It was the wealthiest, and I mean wealthiest by far, not just rich, not just a prosperous. It was wealthy. It was a wealthy nation. Amen. It was known for two things. One, being wealthy, and number two, it had a failed water experiment that took place there. It had a failed water experiment. You know, the city was, was so wealthy. They had so much prosperity in their land that they said, you know, it would be amazing if we could have hot and cold water in our city. It would be phenomenal. We'd be the only city out there that has hot and cold water in our city. That would be absolutely amazing. It'd be like the greatest show of wealth. We'd be like, it, we'd be like the dot on the map if we, could, if we could get this to take place. Amen. Now, now keep in mind, this isn't in the day and age we're living in. They didn't have plumbing running through every household. They didn't have plumbing going through. Uh, they didn't have plumbing going throughout the cities. Amen. And they definitely didn't have hot and cold taps. They didn't have, they didn't have boilers back in this day. Amen. So how in the world were they going to get this hot and cold water. Well, you remember, you remember there's three churches that were planted in this Lycus Valley, right? You had Hierapolis, which was what, 11 miles north of Laodicea, about what was that, 18 kilometers. And then you had, you had Colossae, which was 10 miles or about 16 kilometers to the southeast of Laodicea. Now, Hierapolis was an amazing place. It had a powerful church as well. All three of these churches were planted by Epaphras, I believe it was, amen? But Hierapolis, it was known for one thing outside of its powerful church. It had mineral hot springs in this city. It had mineral hot springs and people would come from all over to go to go 
sit down in these and relax into these mineral hot springs that were, that were fervent with heat because it had medicinal values in the mineral properties that were in the water. And it was known for people came all around for it. Amen. To come into this one place, kind of like, uh, well, the only thing I could probably compare it to is it was when we went to, uh, Bulgaria uh, last year or the year before, you know, we went to this one place. It was kind of out in the middle of nowhere, I guess, kind of close, I guess, to the last church I preached in. And it, uh, and they had with this hotel, yeah, I guess it was a hotel that we were staying at. They had this pool in the back, and it was amazing because it got pretty chilly at night there during the, the season we're in. But this pool was just, you know, you know, had all kinds of steam coming up from it at night. Why? Because it, it was one of these mineral springs that they made into a pool. And, and people would go from Bulgaria into this area in the middle of nowhere, you know, rent these hotels that couldn't take a credit card, you know. And, uh, and uh, they would like to relax in these, in these pools and these hot springs because of the medicinal or therapeutic value that, that supposedly these, uh, these hot springs have. I mean, they're good for your skin and all kinds of different things. Things, right? And then you had Colossi, right? remember 10 miles south, right? And it was known as a, a wonderful, a wonderful establishment, a wonderful resort in the mountains on the, on the outskirts of the mountains to where it had this refreshing cold water when, when the mountaintops began to melt and they'd come down in this city and it was ice cold. So people in the heat of the, of the summer, heat of the seasons, I mean, cause it's not Ireland over there and it got, it gets scorching hot and they go to this place and you'd always have ice cold water coming, uh, coming from the Springs, ice cold water coming from the river at all times, never lukewarm. It was always ice cold coming straight from these ice caps, which is amazing. And it's kind of like, kind of like us living in Galveston, right? If you went and you looked at Google Maps or, or Google World and you, you looked at above of, of the whole island and you looked at all the houses there, there's one, there's one thing you'd notice that you don't find over here. In the back garden of every house or every other house, you're going to find a nice pool sitting in the backyard. You say, well, why is that? Well, Number one, not everyone has them because not everyone could afford it. And then you make good friends with your neighbors and you can go swim in their pool. Amen. But you have the pool for one reason. And it's because it gets so smoking hot there that you need some time of refreshing. Amen. So, so in the evening when things are hot, people are always out in the back pool. You always hear the kids swimming. You can always, it's a, it is a very natural thing. Even when we, we brought our daughter, daughter from China, she couldn't swim. And we're, we're sitting there like, well, we're going to have to teach her real quick because this is part of the culture where we live. You're going to be in water all the time because it is so hot. You know, people, people need that refreshment and they, they desire it. It's just, it's just part of it. Well, it's the same thing over here, like at Colossae. They had this, they had this refreshing cold water and people came all around, amen, to get this refreshing cold water, amen. So Laodicea, it's just as amazing. They had some, you know, obviously they're one of the richest people, you know, richest cities of the time. So they had some of the greatest engineers. So they got with their great, their engineers and like, you know what, let's, let's do something amazing. Let's pipe this water all the way down from Hierapolis and we will pipe it from, uh, up from Colossae and we're going to have 
hot and we're going to have cold water. So they engineered these, these clay pipes to, to take this hot water, this hot mineral spring water all the way down. Amen. And then they, they, uh, they form these aqueducts from, from uh, Colossae up to Laodicea to where it could, it could transport all this ice cold, refreshing water up to Laodicea. Now, as you would, as you would well think back in these days, much like even, even today, it took years for this to take place. It was years, several years, if I remember right, to, 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 for this to take place, two or three years, and it finally took place. So as you can imagine, everyone was super excited, right? They were super excited. They couldn't wait for this to take place. It's like, oh, we're going to be the first people. It's going to be amazing. We don't have to go anywhere. We're going to have all this medicinal hot water coming in and this refreshing cold water coming in, and it's going to be right here at our taps. And when it was, and when it was completed, you know, you had all these people that were, that were lined up. I mean, can you, can you see the picture? I mean, you could see it today if it was the first time hot or cold water came. You know, all the, all the people, probably all the nobility was all lined up first because they're going to get the good taste, right? So they're, so they're all lined up and they, they got and that water started flowing and they, they reached down there and, you know, and they, they took a drink and, and before they could swallow it, they spit it out all over the place because it was putrid. It was nasty. It was disgusting. It was rancid. Why? Because the, the water coming down from these clay pipes started, you know, gathering up all the minerals from this clay and it lost all of its fervency and became, it became cool or tepid or lukewarm, amen, mixed with all these nasty minerals and they spuked it out everywhere. All the, all the cold, refreshing, ice cold water came down all these aqueducts and it lost all of its coldness, amen, became lukewarm by the time it got to Laodicea, amen. They, by the people tasted it and they spit it out because it wasn't what it was intended for, Amen. It wasn't medicinal, and it definitely wasn't refreshing. And it was rancid in its flavor. Amen. It was rancid in its flavor. Now, back to verse 14, he says, says, I know your works. He goes, I know your works. He goes, I wish that you were cold or hot. What was Jesus saying here? He goes, I wish, I wish you were cold. I wish you were refreshing under your community. I wish you had a refreshing ability into you like you used to have, where you used to be refreshing. You used to, you used to be something that people would, would desire to come to and to get refreshed. I wish you were cold like that. Or I wish you were hot. I wish you had a medicinal therapeutic value to you where people could come and get healed. Amen. People could get, you know, have, have the word that's in you, the goodness that's in you be therapeutic, not only to their spirit and their mind, but also to their physical flesh. Amen. He goes, I wish you were cold or I wish you were hot. He goes, so then... So then, in verse 16, so then, because you were lukewarm, so then, that means the consequently, consequently because of your actions, be, consequently because you're lukewarm, amen, he goes, I will spit you out of my mouth. What, what is lukewarm? It's, it's tepid. It, it, it can be defined as tepid, indifferent. It can be defined as mediocre, apathetic, or valueless, or valueless. 
valueless. I'm telling you, that is a powerful thing. Why? It's valueless. Why? Because it's not refreshing anymore. It's valueless because it has no medicinal value anymore. It's not used for what it's intended for anymore. It doesn't have the same capabilities that it had in the past. It now, what once had value, now is valueless. Now it's valueless. Now listen, Jesus, he's not speaking about your salvation here. Amen. I've, I've, heard, this, I've heard this preached on, on Jesus is going to take away your salvation because you didn't do the things he was one. I'm telling you, that's not the God we serve. Jesus doesn't take away salvation. Amen. Our God does not take our salvation. He gave, he gave up everything for you to have salvation. I mean, he's not looking for a reason to take it from you. That's not who our God is. Amen. That's not the way he works. Matter of fact, you look, like I said, you go back over there to verse 20 or verse 19 even. And he says, as many as I love, I rebuke and I chasten. He goes, be there, be zealous, therefore, and repent. He goes, behold, I stand at the door knocking. He's saying, he's saying, listen, repent guys. I'm doing everything I can to get you to change the way you're thinking. Guys, I'm outside of your church trying to knock and get back inside. I'm not trying to take anything from you. I'm trying to wake you up. I'm trying to get your attention. I'm not discarding you from the family, but what I'm telling you is the things that you're doing, the place that you've come out of your journey that you've gone down, now you're rancid. You're putrid. You become repulsive to me. You become valueless to the kingdom. I'm telling you, that is some harsh, harsh words from the king. You've become putrid. You've become valueless for the things that you're doing. Not that, not that I'm trying to kick you away, but I'm telling you, you need to change some things about you because you have no value to the kingdom anymore. I'm telling you, I'll steal a line from Rick Renner here. He says, this is a story of failed expectations. This is a story of failed expectations, just as the, the water failed the expectations of the people by the time they reached Laodicea. The church has become a failed expectation of Jesus. The place that they become, the place that they've grown into, they have become a failed expectation to him as well. This church was no longer pleasing to Jesus. They had a foul taste, but praise God, we have a, a king, we have the head of the church that, they'll, that still desires to confront the church when there's something this, this dire that needs to be changed, that needs to be corrected in us, amen? Uh, I love it. He, he was pretty specific here. He says, I will vomit. Amen? He said, I will vomit you out of your mouth. He's not, not anyone else. Jesus is saying, I'm the one that's coming communion with you. I'm the one that's coming and tasting you. I'm the one that's coming and supping with you. I myself am going to spew you out of my mouth. He doesn't say, I'm going to spew your neighbors out. He says, I'm going to spew you. Very specific. He says, I'm going to spew you out of your mouth. Not because I hate you. Don't get those things confused. Not because I hate you, because I love you so much, I'm here to confront you. I'm here to, to show you how repulsive you become. Amen, because it's, it's time for a change. 
Why? Because your actions aren't only affecting you. See, so many of us sometimes we think the things that we do, it only affects us, so what does it matter? I'm telling you, your actions, they don't just affect you. See, the actions that this church was doing, it was affecting their entire community. It was a, their anointing was, ta- was taken away from them. They were, they were a dead church. I mean, it, they were not doing any. It's just like anywhere you go around this land, you can see a million churches, you know, planted, you know, around. I'm telling you, but there's no life in them. They haven't changed their communities. They're not, there's no revival going on. You don't have people getting healed. There's not the power of God being witnessed in them. They're absolutely dead. The anointing's taken from them. I'm not just talking about denominational churches. I've been in denominational churches that don't have the revelation we have, but I'm telling you, Jesus is in it. Amen. But I'm telling you, there's a lot of churches not been in them that Jesus is no longer in that church anymore. I mean, he's knocking just like this. Hello, is anyone hearing me? Can I come back in? Amen. Can I come back in the church? Can I come back in my church? And Jesus is giving the wake up call here. I'm telling you, church, why is this so important? Because it affects these. It affects that next generation. Praise God, you're saved. Praise God, you may live, you're saved and may live in hell here on this earth, but I'm telling you, the next generation gets affected. And I'm telling you, God cares about the next generation. He cares about them. He cares about their salvation. He cares about their health. He cares about their prosperity. He cares about them fulfilling the call of God upon their life. Amen. So who is that? It's on us, the ones that are there, that are called to train them up. Amen. And the way that they should go. Amen. Train them up in the way that they should go. I wonder how many. I'll finish with this, I reckon. I wonder how many churches Jesus nowadays would, would look and find repulsive. Hmm? Ooh, that breaks my heart when I think about that. Hmm. Everything, everything that our Lord, that our God has done, what he's given up for us. And we get so consumed with this next verse of thinking we have it all together. <laughs> that, we, that we've done everything just because we have money in our pockets. Nice possessions. But we're all dead men walking. <laughs> Sitting in dead churches. How, how many, how many churches would Jesus find repulsive? Steeped in religious traditions and religious duties. No longer serving the things of God, but you know, they show up. They're still coming. Still got the name on the outside of the church, but you know, you know all it is is it's a, it's a religious order now. Jesus himself isn't even in the building. Hmm. I'm telling you, church, anytime we come to that place where we start making our own plans, start thinking we can carry the weight of things, start... decreeing and declaring our own successes and how good we've done things and then only blame Satan when things aren't going right. I'm telling you, church, there needs to be correction in your life. Amen. Get back to that. We need to get to that, that place where we begin to seek his direction for the things he wants us to do. Give him you know, glory and the honor for the open doors. And sometimes, and I'm telling you, probably 99 out of 100 times, take responsibility for your own failure. Because it's not, you know, we give so much credit to the adversary for, for doing things in our lives. And I'm telling you, he gets so much credit. We're building him up and he's not doing half of it. I mean, 99 out of 100, it's us. 
not following the, the guidance of the Holy Ghost, not, not, not participating in the word of God, not being doers of the word of God, not taking a word, a thought captive when it comes up in our mind. I'm telling you, it's us. Amen. And we need to begin to, to take responsibility for those things. Amen. But praise God, we still have a good shepherd. We still have a good shepherd. We still have a good king. We still have a good head of the church. Amen. That desires to confront us and change our direction anytime we get off course. Amen. So I say, thank you, Jesus. Father, I thank you. And I thank you for your son. I thank you for your spirit. I thank you for the compassion that you have upon your church, upon your body. That you love us to bring us correction. Lord, you, you in your word, you say that those that you love, you rebuke, you chasten. Not because you, you don't like us, not because you're trying to push us away, because you, you love us so much, you're trying to pull us closer into that place of intimacy, a place of, of connection and union with you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that you're a God that is that good. Lord, may we yield unto your corrections. Lord, may we yield unto the, unto the corrections you gave church fathers before us, Lord, and learn from those mistakes. Hmm. May we be forever fervent with passion, fervent with a heat, fervent with medicinal values. Lord, may we be forever refreshing into our communities, Lord, and our own personal lives and our family, our, our, you know, our immediate families, Lord, in our churches, Lord, in our communities, in our nations. Hmm. May we be those men and women that, that release your goodness, Lord, that bring forth revival. Hmm. <laughs> that change people. May we ever be evaluating and judging ourselves where we're at. Having you as our benchmark ever striving to come into perfection, to come into completion, coming into maturity unto you, Lord. We thank you for it, Lord. We glorify you for it. Hmm. We praise you for it. Lord, we thank you for the, for the latter half of this week, Lord, until we get to meet here again. Lord, thank you for a hedge of protection around us, Lord. We thank you for your word. We take a hold of Psalms 91 that no evil will befall us. Lord, neither shall any plague come nigh our dwelling place. Lord, you yourself, you give your angels charge over us, Lord, to keep us. That we're protected in everything we do, Lord. We're protected as we go down the railways, the seaways, the, the airways, the walkways, Lord, the motorways. Lord, no wicked plans from a wicked devil or the, shall come against us, shall hinder us or harm us in anything we do. Lord, we thank you for the righteous labor of our hands, the jobs that you've given each and every one of us. Lord, may, may we be that blessing. May we be that light in each environment that you've placed us in. Lord, may it become our ministry outside of this church. So we thank you, Lord. Place it on our hearts, people we need to be praying for. People that, that need to come into your kingdom. Lord, people that need to hear a word from you. Lord, we thank you for it. Lord, we glorify it. We thank you for the church you've made us. Lord, you, you made us your body. We thank you that we are your ambassadors, your representatives here on earth. Thank you, Lord. Here at the Island Church, we are covered by your blood. 
We are empowered by your word, Lord. We are anointed by your spirit, Lord. We thank you for it. We praise you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.